This show is brought to you by our sponsor, Bitheads. They are a staple in the tech community I come from and have done incredible work over the past 18 years with some of the largest brands in the world, including The Simpsons, Tapped Out, Box, Optimal Payments, The New York Times, among many, many, many others. All told, they've built over 500 solutions from enterprise to entertainment. I'm proud to have them as a part of Untether.tv. Please support us by supporting them. Go to bitheads.com. everybody and welcome to untethered.tv. I'm your host and founder Rob Woodbridge. I say maybe nine or ten months ago, depending on when you're listening to this, it could be nine or ten years ago, uh, but in real time, uh, nine or ten months ago in October of 2013, I sat down episode number 480 with Cree Lawson, who is the founder and the CEO of a company called Arrivalist. And uh, we were talking about this uh, uh, work that he did with the Atlantic City Convention and Visitors Authority around uh, attribution to not only in-state and in-city um, advertising and the impact of that in-state city and in-state advertising, but also about attracting people to Atlantic City. And I, I labeled the episode as the, you know, I, you know, um, Arrivalist bringing uh, Atlantic City its mojo back or something to that effect. And and I, it was a great episode. And I've always wanted to follow up with Cree to figure out what is going on with Arrivalist. So I'll give you a little bit of a background about what Arrivalist is, and then we'll be able to bring Cree back on for your listening and viewing enjoyment. Uh, Arrivalist has two very important things that it does. The first is, is identifying out-of-market mobile consumers and delivering ads more relevant to those out-of-town than those that are residents. I think this is the most amazing thing. It's just so simple, so logical. And the second thing that they do is measuring attribution in terms of what motivated a person to actually visit a place. So if you can consider this, did they actually see a banner ad and click on the ad and then go to the place? Or did they see a banner ad and not click on the ad and actually go to the place? And why is that? And that's what these guys do for a living. They've recently sat down and done some work with the state of Kansas Tourism Board where they found a very unique challenge about location, something that Cree has called the ultimate centroid. Uh, we'll get an update about uh, what is going on with Arrivalist and dive into what they've learned about the new mobile or the about mobile device location monitoring and marketing as a result of this latest project. Welcome, Cree, from your new home in New Jersey, the great state. <laughs> Yay! Great Happy state of New here. Jersey. Happy to be here. Well, I would move Thank there. Thank you, Rob. Well, I would move there in a second, in a heartbeat. Um, but I would not have a job, and all I would do is camp out in front of Bruce Springsteen's house. <laughs> is that a job? Asbury Park. Yeah. Is that a job? I don't think so. No. <laughs> it, would, it would be. It would be the best job. figure it out, sign me up. Yeah, no kidding. I, I would love to. That's why I want to you know, win a lottery, so I can just go down and follow the boss. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, you'll see my tent out front of his home. Without being an employee. Right? Exactly. It's so perfect. <laughs> Welcome, man. Thank you for doing this again. Thanks for coming on. It seems like such a uh, short time ago, but it was it was almost 10 months ago that we, we connected on what you were doing with the ACCVA. And the response was so great. And I'm so glad that we get to talk about a new, another client. But before we get into that, how about an update about what's going on with Arrivalist? Sure. Well, um, we left 2013 with one major client, ACCVA, and they're 
foresight and being ahead of the curve here, I'm happy to say we're um, not even halfway through 2014 and have six clients. So six-fold growth over six months is wonderful, and we got a lot more in the queue. Um, it's really beginning to resonate in the marketplace, and destinations, um, to their credit, are driving our growth by saying, you know, we want to measure the impact our marketing has and find out who shows up. So um, simple. <laughs> right. And so yeah, we, we help them close the loop and they're helping us grow. It's been a it's been a nice organic kind of relationship. Why 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 do you think it, all of a sudden this has uh, resonated? You've been talking about this for many years around this whole attribution and out of state and out of city and marketing local versus marketing to, you know, visitors. Um, why now all of a sudden do you think that this is this is resonating? Just a threshold moment, critical mass. I mean, um, Consumers realized two years ago that mobile was the first screen. I think you see that in people's mobile usage. Media people are realizing in 2014 that they need to plan their media mobile first. And people are understanding they carry their cell phones with them everywhere they go, probably after they've dropped it in the toilet once or twice and realized <laughs> that, uh, yes, this does go everywhere with me. And uh, finally, people are seeing this as an opportunity, not, uh, not a threat. You know, this this device is empowering and enabling me to do all these things, and uh, and uh, it's not, not I'm not ed, um, a subject of Edward Snowden, so nobody's following me around and trying to track me on my cell phone. So, um, so it's a combination of things. It's mo adoption of mobile, it's usage of mobile by consumers, and it's people not being afraid of the media anymore. Yeah, I, I, good good summary right there. I think that it's kind of it's hit hit its stride. What what are what are the customers? What are your clients asking you for? Like, you know, they must be asking the world. But uh, what is it that they're specifically asking of you or expecting of you guys? It is. It's really. It's becoming a fascinating exercise. And um, and the question that they keep asking us is, how does media influence people? Oh my! Is, is it? It's like a small question. It's a small question. I think they've just been asking that since the dawn of time. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, hey, and Cree, you have the answer. <laughs> well, we we measure the way media influences people. The the absolute gestation of desire. I'll leave that to B.F. Skinner. I don't know <laughs> what actually makes somebody want to do something, but we can measure the way media influences people to change locations. And that in itself is just is just um, uh, an amazing thing to watch. Um, and it's almost like uh, these, we don't measure people, we don't track people. It's like watching dots move across the board as a re in reaction to stimuli and thinking, hmm, what caused that? Um, so, uh, and it, it's when it works, now that we have it working, it is, uh, it's a wonderful thing to watch. And, and it's almost, can you predict stuff? Can you predict how, how something's going to impact somebody's decision making? Like I, I get this mental picture of, of you know, uh, somebody driving or somebody walking and then, then you hitting them with something that's so relevant and then, then turning and you can see it physically on the map that, that little red dot turns around and comes back or something. Can you predict that stuff? I would, um, the, I will tell you what I, I know that I don't, I know what I don't know and I don't know, um, what causes human interaction i can uh we can we've not gone into prediction it would follow from having a long enough history right. eventually we'll get there but at this point we're just 
fascinated by what we see. And one day, maybe, one day, maybe. But for right now, we're just, uh, we find it um, overwhelming to just analyze what people have done. We'll get into projecting what they will do later. <laughs> They're humans. There's no way you can predict them. Exactly. There's no way. We're, we're unpredictable. But now, are you getting um, equal success in the stuff where you're actually delivering local ads to the two different uh, types of people, which are residents and, and visitors, as well as the attribution about how people arrived at a location? Is, is that still your split? It is not 50-50. Mm -hmm. The clients who want to measure response to media campaigns are pulling the cart. They, that demand outweighs the need to... Um, to um, uh, to deliver a message to you, to a user while they're in transit. So the if you look at our two products, one's a stick and one's a carrot. Um, in other words, connected traveler is, is a an opportunity no one's ever had before, mm -hmm. and so they're not necessarily aware of it. And uh, the stick is uh, we're going to remove the threat of you not knowing whether your media works or not. So um, the stick has driven the carrot between our two uh, between between our two products. And it seems logical, right? Like I mean, the goal here is to attract as many people to your location as possible and do more of what works and do way less of what doesn't <laughs> right. work, right? So uh, this really does, uh, you know, attribute uh, the amount of money that you put into something and it actually will show you its return. So it makes sense that the money that they're being spending, you're going after that same market, they're spending the same amount of money, you're just showing them what's happening with that money. Yeah, it's the age-old proverb, where, um, you know, that half your marketing is, is wasted. Some In some cases, you'd be lucky if it were only half. Yeah. Uh, but it's uh, it's really driving a um, a huge revolution when people can see, especially for destination marketers, this is this is their career, this is what they do, and to be able to see how quantify the impact of their destination marketing uh, is just such an exciting change, and you can you can literally see their faces light up when they see, wow, that drove that many people. You know, so yeah, it's yeah. fun to watch. You know, I, I, it's always uh, fun to watch as well would be the reaction when it's it's not the national campaign, but this stupid little ad that they do in a, you know, penny saver over here that drives more foot traffic. Than the <laughs> like, has something like that ever happened where you, with one of your clients where you're like, how, how did that happen? We just put, we put a whole bunch of money in here and tested this and the test worked fast, faster and better than the other one. Has that happened to you guys? It is. Um, in some ways, it's uh, driving profound revelations. In some <laughs> ways, it's underscoring what we already knew. So yeah, the ad in the penny saver. There are pages advertisers have been placing ads on and getting 20, 30, 50, 100 impressions that are resulting in a profound, uh, a profoundly efficient media campaign. I love that. There are also spray and pray campaigns that cost a lot more and are far less efficient, but are driving thousands of people there every week, right? So in some ways, it's kind of underscoring what we already knew, but it's giving, you know, a much more, um, a much more quantifiable impact. Uh, and yes, there are a lot of surprises, some of which are anticipated, some of which are not. Uh, and that's, that's the best part. When you can surprise a client, You've done your job. That, that's like not in a, not in a bad way. Like, don't show up naked, right? <laughs> Surprise! 
but uh, you know <laughs> that's not what you want to happen but you know you know what I mean? like su surprising yeah. your client uh showing them something that they didn't know as a result of something that you provided to them is the ultimate right as long as it's it can be fixed um Absolutely. so was it hard to get you know when you left when you did the accva um was it was it hard to close the next client how, how did you do that right. and then a corollary to that is that you were featured in forbes in January of this, uh, early right. January of this year. And I want to know what the impact of that was. So let's talk about how, how did you secure your next client after ACCVA? To this point, I, everyone has wanted to talk. Everyone's wanted to say, let's do this. That's right. Amazing. So ACCVA was the first one to say, we're on board, let's go. Yeah. Right. And then there was, uh, there were a lot of people saying, let's watch. And then when the <laughs> Forbes article uh, came out, that really kind of, that pushed everything forward to the okay this is prime time you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna risk my career by signing on with these guys to measure the impact of what i'm doing and we we've it's almost like a new age of empiricism that's driving uh analytics forward and um i'm glad to see that it's finally taken hold in in this in this group so so forbes was helpful it was it was a huge validation credibility you know? and uh, and how did it how did your family feel about having you around as the Forbes guy then all of a sudden? <laughs> well, the uh, my parents has a, have a have a built in humility kick that comes. <laughs> so all they have to do is show me embarrassing kid videos. So you know, healthy dose of the, a dose of those, and I was right back to reality. <laughs> parents are great, right? Parents are great. I once did the keynote, uh, the uh, the commencement address for for my college that I graduated for many 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 years ago, and I did the business keynote ad or uh, commencement address. And you know, there's four thousand students, and then parents, and this huge. It's in our ho hockey rink here. The uh, we used to be called the Scotiabank Place, now it's the Canadian Tire Center. And it's and it, you know, I'm on stage with the faculty and everything behind me, and I'm in a robe with a hat, the whole thing. 4,500 people in the audience. It's the largest crowd that I've ever spoken to. And I, and they recorded it. And I thought I, I, I did a great job. It was 11 minutes. And I thought I was I was very happy with my performance. And I, you know, they videotaped it and I sent it to my father. And he said, uh, you know, at about four and a half minutes, you shouldn't have said that word. You should have said this word instead, Rob. Like, <laughs> That's right. No, but That's the right. whole, the, uh, forget it. Forget <laughs> it. So, you know, they're there to support, but also to, you know, keep your two feet firmly planted on the ground, right? Exactly, exactly. Damn and, uh, you, Dad. Damn you. <laughs> well, what, uh, so uh, as a result of that, so people started to, to talk to you that they were lurking on the sidelines and, the, and then they started putting their, they just reached out to you and started talking? Yeah, yeah and you know, the hardest part of this whole thing is saying, come, um, no marketing plan is born with a big analytics budget. Let me just say that. <laughs> nice. So, so the you know it's a three-step sale. It's it's uh, here we are, yeah. and here's what we do. Two, here's what we can do for you, and three, here's how to justify reallocating your whole budget from top to bottom so that you can afford to do what we're doing. And uh, how does that go over? So that uh, well, eventually is the word that I want to say. So uh, I mean, the tourism boards work so hard to get every dime they get from the government entities. Um, that provide the money, and that's why um, you know the biggest selling point has been we can help you justify and expand on the budget that you're getting because everybody wants to know that you're a good steward of the investment, and we help prove that thesis. Yeah, I mean you're up against it, right? So the the pressure is for you guys because you have to actually deliver. Like these guys are not yeah. 
rich with cash. It's not falling out of their pockets, right? So they have to, as you said, they have to fight for every dollar that they yep. get. And um, and the last thing they can do is waste it. So it's almost like working with the convention authorities. Like the, the um, I think any anybody in tourism uh, is is the ultimate in rubber stamp for you guys to say, yes, these guys can do it. Yeah. And, and you know, tourism marketers are my heroes because yeah. one, they work really hard. They have to promote a product that they cannot change. Right. Imagine, right. right. Anybody else in consumer packaged goods, if something's broken, you change it. Right. Yeah. If there's something about your destination, that's that can take 20 years to, to fix. <laughs> right. So so they're marketing a living, breathing thing, which is hard to describe. Um, and they're and they're doing it on very little funds, and they never have one boss or CMO that says, "Bam, do this." Yeah. No, they have rule by committee. Sometimes multiple committees within one government organization. So, I mean, when it comes to a marketing exercise, they they really they they earn every penny. So, my my obvious question is, why go after them? Why not go after somebody who's got money? Because this is the one path, this is the sector of offline response to online advertising that you can do today. Can I tell you that this sequence of ads made you walk into a Starbucks? No, we're not there, right? Can we say that we that this sequence of ads influenced you to make a change in location of 500 miles or more? Absolutely. 100 miles or more? Absolutely. 50 miles or more? Yeah. 25? Yeah. Right? So that's where the, it's the intersection. It's where the, where the, where marketing is going and where technology is. And that's why, because destination marketing analytics is a solvable problem. And I love that. And, and you know, you know how many people are in this ground war of hyperlocal you know, Starbucks versus Starbucks versus Tim Hortons up here in Canada, you know, versus Dunkin' Donuts. Like, it is a ground war at the local level. And and so many competing technologies, including those companies that I just mentioned, their own technologies that all of a sudden you're you're in this battle with. It's better to kind of step back and basically be the air raid, which is what you, I, I would consider you guys doing that, you know, the, the distance bombers, right? And, and <laughs> with precision. Right, exactly. That's with a terrible system. analogy. I'm so <laughs> like I don't know where I was going with that, and I'm sorry, Cree. Uh, <laughs> That's fine. I'm Canadian. We don't have any war references, right? That's as best <laughs> as I can do. My goodness. Uh, have you ever thought um, for revenue wise? Have you ever thought about? Uh, and I don't know if this is a good idea or not. Um, you know, sharing the risk or sharing the upside. It's very hard to get money out of these organizations. But have you ever said, "Hey, listen, ACCVA, we're we're going to do this for you for free, but any money that you save." We get half of, or you know, or some kind of rev share where where the revenue spoils could be much greater, but but then it puts a lot of pressure on you to actually perform. And if you don't perform, it doesn't cost them anything. But if they do perform, then it costs them a whole lot of money. Yeah, we we have gone down that path, and in my first months, I met with massive U.S. state who I will not name, and they said, "Oh, so you can tell how many people show up? Well, how about we pay you?" Sixty dollars per person who shows up, and you buy the media. <laughs> now I know how many people show up in that state, and that would have been a big, big check. But I don't know. Former journalist, recovering journalist, I don't know. There's this thing called objectivity. Yeah. We have to have it to make our data believable, and we 
we're, we're the referees in this game. If we put on a jersey, you wouldn't trust us anymore, right? So we can't sell what we measure the impact of. Good point. Uh, that, that's, uh, I don't know. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good answer, Cree, because, you, you know, uh, a lot of people ask me to endorse their products or, or can you make referrals and we'll give you referral fees. And I've had these conversations many times. And, and even if I believe in the company, like, and I love the company, I, I, I turn them down simply because I, I lose I lose my objectivity when I start to say, go here, right? Right, right. Yeah. How would, if I said, hey, listen, you know, uh, an arrivalist competitor, if there ever was one, and I started referring people, how could we have this kind of conversation if I'm referring people over here? It just doesn't make any sense, right? So I, I like that answer. That's a very good answer. Keep the referee uh, shirts off. Thanks. There's a there's a good saying, uh, which is uh, on the other side, which is you can only sell your integrity once. <laughs> better true. make it good. <laughs> exactly. It's that is your last sale. So you better you better be cashing out. Uh, your integrity is worth your last sale. And if you're selling it for ten bucks, well, we know what kind of character you are at that point. Right. Look at all these terrible analogies, man. Okay, <laughs> so uh, Arrivalist is, is is going well. How do you manage like that many clients all at once? Is is it a challenge for you to onboard and go through that process? Is the sales cycle a very long sales cycle to get them to uh, to the point where they're actually benefiting from you guys? Well, uh, as far as onboarding as many as we have been simultaneously, yes, that's been challenging, um, and it's not been the technology. Honestly, it's waiting for people to show up. Damn humans. Humans. Humans again. They travel slowly. <laughs> we talked about that last time, right? It's like they, we it could take a year for them to show up here, right? Exactly or more. Yeah. And uh and so that's the most frustrating part is convincing someone and their three constituent committees to create a new line item in the budget to deploy technology and tuning into silence. Yeah right for 30 days 45 days 60 days and then you start to see the map light up you see people coming from here you see people coming from there i have one client who logged in every single day looking for their first visitor from wyoming 81 days they had to wait 81 days but their map lit up and they could see visitation from Wyoming. These days, it's fun to watch your first visitor from Asia, your first visitor, because we're picking up all this international visitation. Um, and it's really fun to, uh, as a marketer, to literally watch your globe light up with arrivals from different places. It's, uh, it's amazing. But do you feel those calls from, from, from those clients saying, hey, like, it's been 14 days. We, we're not seeing anything. How, how do you how do you how do you temper expectations? How do you manage we, those? We don't give a log out log in. Uh, <laughs> that's right. We just we, yeah, we, we, we've cornered the market on nail biting. So that's just, exactly what you do. That's perfect. We give them a, we give them a bad password to their log. <laughs> that's exactly it. And for the first 30 days. They can't log in. And then when we start to no, but I mean, you have to be able to temper expectation on something like this, right? And, and so how do you do that? Because they're putting good money where they think that they could be spending, they're, they're redirecting the money from advertising spend into you, and they know what to expect with advertising spend. They don't really know what to expect with you. How do you manage that, those expectations? Well, um, you have a great first client like Atlantic City that shows them what their what their reports will look like. Yeah. <laughs> so, so just you know, always show them a little bit about what's what's coming, and then once it once the visitation does arrive, it's really it's really rewarding to watch it. 
watch it. So are you at the point now where you're in these ongoing relationships with these guys where they're, where you're some of them, at least the ACCVA, are you past the point of proving and now you're in to budget? Now you're in their budget as a full-time piece and then that's kind of recurring revenue for you guys? It has been. It has been really nice. Once you, uh, it's really hard to unplug the, the, uh, the analytics package and say, oh, next year we're going to focus on something other than visitation. Exactly. You know, we, we don't want to attribute anymore. Now we just, yeah. We're just going to spend. Uh, yeah. And you hear a lot of states saying that right now. Yeah. We're just going to spend freely on anything. That's, that's right. So this is really one of those services. And I think that's a key takeaway from this is that this is one of those services that it, 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 it's not, um, it doesn't, it's not temporary. Like once they're in, they're in. And if they, you take this away from them, it's like they're missing something of great value. So they right. never will. It's it's not our cleverness driving that. It's their desire to, and I've tried to make it sound like that, but it's it's their desire to see the impact of what they do every day. Yeah. I mean, when you and I walk into the office every day, we can see, you can see how many listeners you have. I can see how many clients I have. Everybody likes to go home at the end of the day saying, I did this. Yeah. And for the first time, these marketers can see the impact they had that day. And that's, that's kind of fun to watch. It's joyous, right? <laughs> they go home happy because of you. Maybe not the first 81 days when the guy's waiting for Wyoming, but but they, but they do. They they go home happy with themselves for taking the risk on a new technology. Very cool. Can you can you actually help me get more listeners? <laughs> Out of state listeners? Will they show up at my house? I can show you a nice chart of where they're all living. That'd be great. All right. Now, one of the clients that uh, it, it, this is a this is an interesting conversation around what you're doing with the state of Kansas and their tourism board, the K state of Kansas tourism board. Um, you know, there's there's uh, certainly a much more uh, interest these days in contextual and location based marketing. And uh, and obviously, longitude and latitude play a whole um, big role in this. Um, so do Wi-Fi hotspots and uh, triangulation with cellular towers and all this kind of stuff that's happening around this. But but um, one of the key tenets of your technology is that you can identify when people go from one place and land in, say, Kansas, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. and so what, explain this challenge that you kind of stumbled upon, um, and and uh, let's see how you guys walk through this challenge because this is very unique, and I've never <laughs> heard of this, so I'm fascinated by this. Right. So what we what we've landed upon is what we call the ultimate centroid. I need like I need like. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> Explain that. So when we started working with Kansas, we discovered an issue that we've started calling the ultimate centroid. Um, and this is a strange anomaly in the history of, tele, of telecom, the evolution of telecommunications. And that is that um, when devices started changing locations, we no longer knew how to tie them to a particular IP address. Now, the primary location-driven uh, information that most marketers use and that most technologists use to identify location is IPGO lookup. It's as common as can be, and there are established providers that can tell you which IP address is located there. When, you t when devices went mobile, nobody knew where devices were anymore. So... 
I guess in the uh, in the pioneering days of mobile telephony, they just said, "Well, this device must be in the United States, so we'll just give we'll just associate this IP address if it's unknown with the middle of the United States, like the center, like physically, like the center of the United States." Like if you looked on a map, the, the, the bullseye in the United States. The bullseye in the middle of the United States. Now, this bullseye in the, United, in the middle of the United States is associated with any device that, that networks when a network doesn't know where it is. So you might walk into Starbucks, for example, log in with AT&T Wi-Fi, wi which doesn't share the, the location of your device, doesn't share the, which Starbucks you're in. And so as a result says, this device is simply in the middle of the U.S. The middle of the U.S. happens to be near some, some poor guy's farm near <laughs> um, north, Northwest 139th Street outside of Wichita, Kansas. And so what, the impact for us was our second client, Kansas Tourism, was getting a profound amount of visitation from people who were being exposed to media about Kansas and Boston and then showing up in Wichita in a rural field about 20 minutes later. It's perfect. It's teleportation. It's like aliens. Aliens are bringing them over there. Physically impossible <laughs> to go from Boston to Wichita. And, you know, I, I'm using this as an example. We don't just use IP addresses. Yeah. We, we, we cross-verify with a lot of different location information, which is how we found this out. But it's amazing to me that if you were to chart everyone, the presence of everyone's mobile device, you would see about 3 million people that, um, that are being located in the middle of a field in northeast of Wichita uh, because the mobile networks don't know where they are, so they've assigned them a, um, a latitude and longitude that happens to be right in the geographic center of the U.S., which happens to be in a rural uh, field outside of Wichita. <laughs> Come on. So... <laughs> so Whenever we would look up all the visitation data for Kansas, we would see all this teleporting. Someone <laughs> from Can someone from Florida would be in a field in Kansas, you know, in a, for about the amount of time that it takes to drink a cup of coffee, and then they'd be back in Florida. Wow! <laughs> wow! So what so, do you what do you do about that? Because this is at the core of the of the networks. It is at the core of. Let's call it lazy location-based targeting, right? Yes. And um, it just shows how much verification needs to go into all of your location data. And we wind up, we found a way to cross-reference with other places, but it it takes you know um, it takes location-based targeting from something you need a high school diploma for to something you need a master's degree or better for, because we this is not unique to Starbucks. This is night. Uh, this is hotel lobbies. Right. Right. You log in the hotel lobby. They might put you in their call center's location somewhere in you know in Iowa, somewhere in South Dakota. We've had a lot of a lot of people in South Dakota. Airports will often put you in a place other than you actually are. So you have to dig level, dig deeper than just the IP address. Um, and here was Lo. We we had the opportunity to learn this lesson early because we signed our second client 
was the home of the largest centroid in the, on the planet. <laughs> Lucky um, you. <laughs> everybody who walked into a Starbucks and logged into Wi-Fi looked like an arrival to us uh, in the first, you know, at the first glance. But this is something that's um, important for the industry. And, so, you know, um, this is something that it has to be, you have to dig deeper to get to uh, true location. So it's what do you, not, what not do you guys do? Seems. What do you guys do to to validate that? Because on 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 the first hand, you're like, we are good. <laughs> we are really good. You see this? <laughs> right. uh, I mean, you might not be able to replicate this in any other state, but we are really good. Then it dawns on you that this is obviously not right. Uh, teleportation hasn't been invented yet, and uh, they're just sipping a latte. Um, right. So, I mean, what other checks and, and balances do you guys put in place? You, you're using IP, then you're using what else to be able to, to, to counteract that? To cross-validate. Yeah. So the, the, um, the, I do need to point out, and I hope it, didn't, uh, it doesn't spoil the story, but we found this problem on Atlantic City. We, <laughs> we saw this uh, issue happening in Atlantic City before we ever deployed in Kansas. So um, we have a number of ways of dealing with it. First off, before we report a verified arrival, we throw out a lot of data. And I, I would posit that um, big data insights are as much about the data you throw out or don't report on as the data you do report on. So if we can't cross-validate it with another location data point, then we just won't report it as an arrival. So give us an example of that. So you've got them in the you've got them in the state, and then if they don't what walk past a Wi-Fi uh, hub or do something like that, um, pop up in Kansas. Um, and yeah, anything anything around the the ultimate centroid we call or as we call it is got to is going to have to be associated with a previous with a previous um, connection like at or, the airport or something or like at the airport or the okay. Wi-Fi and you know that's another fascinating thing about Kansas is we had to learn to measure arrivals in Kansas and guess where the biggest feeder airport for Kansas is where Missouri Missouri. Right. Yep. Kansas, Kansas yep. City Airport is in Missouri. Yep. So how do you measure visitation to Kansas when people have to fly into Missouri to go into Kansas to get there? And we've, we've, I mean, it's been great because the state of Kansas, we went to them and said, what is your definition of an arrival? And it's kind of odd to think that they've never had to define exactly an arrival, but it, they decided that it's going to be a user who travels more than 25 miles to cross the border, not through the airport, gotcha. and, and a user cannot visit more than once a week or else they're a commuter. Mm -hmm. And so there's all these parameters that we had to preload into the campaign. We don't measure any visitation to the airport unless that user crosses the line into Kansas and remains there for a period of time. Because then you get, what about the people who fly into Kansas City, catch another flight out? That's not an arrival either. So we've had to apply all kinds of filters that have made, uh, made Kansas's data that much more rich, made our um, insights that much more verified. And it's, it's been a really fun uh, exploration. And State of Kansas and uh, JHP Ads, the agency over there, have been great at, at really making this not just a, a halfway implementation, um, but really accurate data. I, you know, I just have this vision. It just keeps going through my head. Is that there's some guy, who's got a big plot of land, middle of Kansas, 
and there are three million people standing there waiting for something to happen. <laughs> it's and you're like, and you're like, you've been working on these algorithms for months to try to, you know, get those guys out of there, and they're actually standing there, right? That's right. That's it. We have a little Lila Palooza that we monitor in can in the middle of Kansas every day, yeah. every single day, all the time. <laughs> you right. never know. I mean, do you do you give out like a, a, a rough range of what what kind of the conversion rate is or the activity rate or whatever it is that that what's the number that you guys market and and what makes you happy? What's your conversion rate that makes you happy on, on these campaigns? Um, our conversion rate is a, a DM at this stage is a, a marketer that can go back to their constituents and say, this is what we did for you and and have data to back it up yeah. not uh not a survey that was created 18 months after the fact um so that that's what makes us happy um the as far as our clients they're looking at um a metric we made up to be totally honest but it fits it fits the bill for now that is arrivals per thousand impressions yeah how many people show up? And you measure it in thousand impressions, just as you would show, measure media impressions. And you know, a one per thousand is a really amazing metric. So let's say you you pay five dollars per thousand for your ads. If you can get someone to change locations for five bucks, <laughs> as a marketer, <laughs> you're a hero, right? That that's a really an amazing accomplishment. It's Probably, you know, destinations, the ones who really get granular will tell you that a visitor spends on average $1,100 per visit and generates over $120 in tax income for the state. So they're willing to invest up to half that, $55 to get someone to visit their state. Mm -hmm. And as profound and potentially earth-shattering as our technology has been feared to be, we're kind of falling in that range that marketers have um, have anticipated being in. In fact, they're a little better. Uh, we're doing a little better. I mean, uh, well, I was talking to a marketer the other day whose video ads and banner ads, those are the ads that, those are the part of the media plan where you're kind of going, oh, yeah. let's hope this works, you know. Um, you know, $20, $30 um, per visit for uh, is is a pretty astounding uh, marketing accomplishment. If you can get someone to come across the country and visit your destination for 20, 30 bucks, knowing that they're going to spend 500 to $1,000 and you're going to get that twice that back in tax revenue for your local, uh, for your local businesses is pretty, pretty amazing. Not to mention the fact that, that, yeah, obviously they stay in a hotel, they eat the restaurants, they do all those things that they do. So all that money comes into the state or the city. Do you ever, do you ever think long-term about this? You do. But do you ever think like now, now, now that we bring them in, how do we attribute that guest who came from, I don't know, Los Angeles to New Jersey or to Kansas um, and, and ate at that Denny's? Right, so that it's directly attributed to what you did. You can watch that path from wherever they came to eat at that restaurant or go to that, uh, you know, um, the what was it, the Pink Elephant uh, ride? Yeah. In, in, like, do you ever like? Is that? Are, are you ever going to get that granular? You hope to get that granular. I'm not. Um, 
Like with all these, like since the last time we spoke, all of a sudden beacons are everywhere, right? Where right. you start to think about, you know, low energy Bluetooth and beacons and smartphones and all that technology. Like you now have that ability to get so granular to say like, that guy was over here, now he's in here. There's yeah. the attribution. I think that's the next challenge. I mean, your article on Regent Street was really dead on. I mean, this is the place to watch with all the beacon deployments. Um, and I, I, my sense is that now that oh, I'm going to go back to Megatrends, which came out in what the '80s, and Naismith and those guys uh -huh. were, were drowning in information and starved for knowledge. Yes. And attribution modeling has a long way to go. If you if you want to have a really frustrating conversation with a marketer, go in there and say, we're not focused on last impression, we're not focused on last click. What do you want to focus on? What was it? Was it the TV ad? Was it the, yeah. Did I walk on the right side of the street so that I saw this ad for the Whopper and not on the left side of the street? And so when I got to McDonald's, it's because I didn't walk by the Whopper ad? I mean, I had there's i we have uh we've seen this data we've been lucky enough to see this data 17 30 40 78 impressions before somebody arrives in a market we see this data we look at this data we're lucky enough to have to see it in advance and it's hard to look at the data without feeling like you're just peeling an onion mm -hmm. and getting to nothing in the core there but there is there is uh there's one answer to it, and uh, that's that's lift. You have to. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. I think whoever can show not uh, whoever can show a baseline of uninfluenced behavior, and then compare that to influenced behavior, is who's going to win the attribution war. Not whoever is going to say uh, is going to start from the premise that media makes people do things because I think that's a fallacy. Yeah, it's, that's well said, Cree, because it there, there's, you know, the the unknown in this, the great unknown is that in order to find the answer to that at its root is to understand the human brain. And we're still trying to figure that out, right? That's right. That's right. I'll leave that to Jung and Skinner and, uh, and Freud. I'll, I'll, I'll just measure the impact of media. <laughs> like if you can't measure it by math, like it's, it's very difficult to, to quantify it. Right. And, and, uh, and that's why that's, that's such a great answer is that, uh, you know, take a baseline and, and measure from a baseline up and, uh, and you'll be able to see your results that way. And, and predictability may never come, maybe not in our lifetime, um, because of that one thing is that uh, when we all live inside of Google's brain, it will be a predictive model. But until that moment, we're human. At least right. we think we are, and our minds are our own. At least we think they are. And I, and as a marketer, I'd rather market to humans because that's just <laughs> more satisfying. It really is. <laughs> all so. right. So, um, I, you know, I, that's like I, I'm just I'm I'm fascinated. I'm hoping that we can have another conversation once you 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 start to roll out. Like you know, maybe not ten months from now, maybe six months now, when you start to pull in some more data around some of these great case studies that you're you're going to be building because of the clients that you have. Because I'm so uh, you know, you're you're right at the beginning, the fringe still of whatever this industry is going to be. But you, you're square in the middle of this, and I love the fact that companies are coming to you now looking for this and actually validating a spend because I think it's very important that every one of us who are in marketing validate the spend and prove the value of that spend. So I think that uh, what you guys, I, again, I'm, I, I was telling you before we, 
live with this is that I use you in all my presentations because the simplicity of um, the simplicity of what you're doing, not the way you do it, but the, of what you're doing, uh, makes people's eyes light up because they're like they look at me and say, they, "You can do that now." And I think that's very important to get the word out that this is something that is you can do right now. Um, and you can validate the spend that you're putting into into the marketing dollars to attract people to your city, to your state. I so, love it. So, well, it's really the 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 ultimate value is being created by our great development team, and uh, they've done a, pr a wonderful job. I'd love to show you the product and walk you through uh, life as a destination marketer, so you can pick your ads and uh, pick the people you want to target ads to, and find out whether they show up. We should do that. I'll come down. I'll come down and visit you in New Jersey as I'm stalking Bruce Springsteen's house. <laughs> All right. But it'll be my whole family because we'll have to move somewhere altogether. Okay. So uh, while we're while we're there, I'll come and visit. You quit your job and get a boss. <laughs> this is it. This is my job. It pays about as much as you would expect. So uh, you know, it's it's not like it's not like quitting. In fact, I think if I quit, if I stopped doing this and I moved to Jersey and just lived in a in a in a tent, I would be better off. In fact. Oh. So, Cree, where should we send people to find more information? You got a brand new website from the last time Absolutely. we talked. Absolutely, brand new website, uh, arrivalist.com, or and send us an email. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, connect with us through the Facebook page. And of course, you can find all the links when you come to this episode. Uh, if you come to untether.tv, and I'll also link up that Forbes article uh, from January of 2014 with uh, with Cree as the uh, as the focus. Um, and uh, any other links that I can find, including to the episode number uh, 480, which is our first episode here. Cree, always a pleasure, man. I thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to talk about what you guys have been up to in the last year and also about the ultimate centroid. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Rob. It's been great. We've been speaking with Cree Lawson, who is the founder and CEO of a company called Arrivalist. That's Arrivalist with two R's, A-R-R-I-V-A-L-I-S-T.com. Go and check them out. Follow them everywhere you can. Take a look at what their website has to offer. And if you have any questions, reach out to me, Robin, on Tether.tv, and I'll make sure that Cree gets the questions, or you can probably find some place on his website to submit a, submit a question. Um, but please, take a look at this. It's very important. Very, very, very important in this battle of uh, of actually understanding where your dollars are being spent and how effective they are and how to attribute your dollar spent to the person that walks into your business. Cree, thank you very much. Folks out there who've been watching, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, <laughs> maybe you're sitting in that field in the middle of Kansas City, and if you are in the middle of Kansas, I really appreciate you sticking around this far into the episode. We'll see you next time on Untether.tv. Thanks, Cree. Thank you, Rob.